Following Christ with us is an invitation for women of all ages and in every stage of life to grab their Bibles and a cup of coffee and join us, Shirley Crowder and Lee Wren, as we discuss what the Bible says about a variety of topics. Thank you for joining Following Christ with us. I'm Shirley Crowder. My co-host, Lee Wren, is not able to be with us today. So I'll be talking about Christmas expectations. Christmas will be here in just a few days. It's a time that we celebrate God's precious gift, Jesus, coming to earth to live among us as Emmanuel, God with us, fully God and fully man. As all of you know, during the Christmas season, and particularly in these last few days, there are so many things to get done. We need to make sure we get the Christmas decorations in place inside our homes and outside. We need to be sure we find and purchase just the right gift for each person on our Christmas list. And we're going to plan and prepare our Christmas for our Christmas celebrations. Hmm. Of course, there are less things we can do this year due to the restrictions in place because of the global pandemic. Christmas 2020 will look a lot different, won't it? We'll have to make numerous changes in our Christmas celebrations. And there are a lot of traditions we won't be able to honor. For instance, my sister began making Christmas cookies with her now grown sons when they were children, little ones, and their cousins, and has kept that tradition going with her grandchildren and with great nieces and great nephews and any little ones that could come but because of the pandemic. They cannot do that with all the friends that they normally would have. There are a lot of family and friends with whom we will not be able to spend Christmas because of restrictions. Now we may be able to connect with them via Zoom or some type of internet connection but it's not the same as having them there with us, is it? So because of all these restrictions and limitations, we may put even more unrealistic expectations upon ourselves and our family to create a really wonderful, the best Christmas that we can without the normal stuff to make up for the craziness that we're experiencing. Let me um, give you an example of that. In a devotional that I co-wrote with my Nigeria missionary kid cousin, Harriet Michael, called Glimpses of the Savior. It's 50 Meditations for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the New Year. 
In there, I wrote about an event that occurred on a Christmas Eve, something I witnessed. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'm just going to tell you uh, bits and pieces of the story. The focal passage for this devotional, named Her Perfect Christmas, is 1 John 4.10, and it's from the New King James Version of Scripture. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. One Christmas Eve several years ago, I had run to the grocery store just before it closed to pick up something that we needed for the next day so Mom could get all her goodies made. I observed a very, very sad scene in the grocery store. Actually, I heard it unfolding before I observed it. A woman was having an emotional breakdown as she was screaming at the store manager, blaming him for ruining her Christmas because the store did not carry the brand of eggnog she needed for her Christmas dinner. The manager kept trying to offer her something else and it just didn't work. With every, every word that manager spoke, this woman's anger increased. I continued on my way and as I came around a, uh, one of the aisles, I noticed a teenage girl a few aisles over at the very end of the aisle watching the scene with a look of just absolute horror on her face. And then my heart broke as huge tears began streaming down her face and she began sobbing uncontrollably and sank to the floor. I walked over to ask the teenager if there was anything I could do to help Pointing to the lady, she said, no, she makes all of us miserable, trying to recreate the impossible, her perfect Christmas from 40 years ago. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? I felt so bad for that young lady and for that store manager. Many of us try to do the same thing though, don't we? We have this picture in our minds of what the perfect Christmas is. And sometimes that's based on a really, really wonderful, memorable Christmas from our childhood, from our past. Sometimes it's one that we've created to offset, one that we've created to be the polar opposite of a horrible Christmas that still haunts our memories. And so in order to create this quote unquote <laughs> perfect Christmas, we spend copious amounts of time decorating our homes, running from store to store, purchasing all the gifts, uh, on our list, staying up late to wrap each gift in just the right color paper and ribbon, 
gathering all the ingredients we need to make everyone's favorite dish. And before Christmas Day ever arrives, we and everyone else are absolutely exhausted. Now, many of us do a great job of convincing ourselves that we're making Christmas about our families and what they want. Yet, we're really just busy making Christmas all about us and what we want. Nothing about our thoughts, attitudes, facial expressions, or words exhibit an ounce of gratefulness and joy that Christ, our Savior, is born. Now, these things are going to be even more intense this year because there's so many things, as I said before, that we cannot do this year that we've done in the past. One of my favorite services of the year, many favorites, <laughs> is a candlelight Christmas Eve service that we won't be having this year. We won't, I won't be with my family, with my extended family. And if I allow myself, I could plummet into a deep depression. I could be angry at everyone, even God. I know people who are doing that right now. Just remember, particularly this year, that recreating that perfect Christmas, making this Christmas extra special because you can't do all those things, is often our attempt at regaining a feeling of love, of worth, of security, of satisfaction. Hmm. Those things that we felt during that wonderful Christmas that we're trying to recreate, or those things that were absent in that horrible Christmas that we are trying to undo and do the polar opposite for. Of course, we know that recreating an event from the past won't ever be as perfect as our memory of that event, will it? <laughs> And it won't provide us those feelings of love, worth, security, and satisfaction that we long for. So instead of trying to recreate something that will never be as perfect as we remember, ever, or trying so hard to make this such an extraordinary Christmas, even with the limitations, that... We're exhausted and we exhaust all those around us. Choose. It is a choice. Choose to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who is love. And the reason that we have worth and security and our source of satisfaction. Now, how do you do that? 
How do you do that? How do you, in the midst of all the stuff going on, how do you look to Jesus for that? There's another devotion that I wrote in the same book, The Glimpses of the Savior. It's called Beauty is in the Eye of the Beholder. And on this one, I really am going to read because if I don't, I get too emotional and you won't be able to understand the word I'm saying. The name of this one, Beauty is in the Eye of the Beholder. And the focal passage is from the New, Eng New International Version, the NIV of Scripture. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. So it was my privilege to live with my mom during the final years of her life. When I came home late at night, she would be in bed dozing until she knew I had arrived safely home. My routine was to go into her room, give her a kiss on her forehead, and say, Good night, Mom. I love you. She would reach out to give me a big hug, then a kiss on my cheek. And without fail, she would say, I love you. How do you manage to look so beautiful after such a long day? Well, that always tickled me so much because the lights were off and the room would be black, pitch black, just as black as black could be. And so sometimes when we would be telling the stories and laughing at friends, I'd poke fun at my mom telling me how beautiful I looked when it was so dark in the room and she couldn't even see me. And whenever I did that, she would get that let me set you straight look on her face, point to her eyes and explain, I don't have to see you with these eyes to know you're beautiful. She would then begin patting over her heart and she would say, I see you through these eyes, meaning the eyes of her heart, and you are beautiful. So my mom, the beholder, was viewing me through the eyes of her heart with which she dearly loved me. Therefore, she saw beauty. So when we look around at all the beautiful Christmas decorations with only our physical eyes, when we look at all the Christmas stuff, the celebrations, the things we're doing with only our physical eyes, we miss seeing the spectacularly exquisite beauty that flows from the fountain and backdrop of our celebration and makes each decoration celebration meaningful. That spectacularly exquisite beauty is the gospel, the good news. It is the beauty Christ followers behold with the eyes of redeemed hearts, God's grace, mercy, love, and justice. The eyes of our redeemed hearts behold the birth of a baby born in a very simple stable and placed in a manger 
as the continuing story of God's redeeming and restoring of God redeeming and restoring his people. The eyes of our redeemed hearts behold the continuing story when on the cross that baby, now a man, takes our sin upon himself. Hmm. The eyes of our redeemed hearts also see that baby receiving the punishment we deserve for our sin and dying on the cross. The eyes of our redeemed hearts behold his burial, his resurrection three days later, and then his ascension to heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God Almighty. Through faith, the eyes of our redeemed hearts behold our eternal life, glorifying him forever. So in the days ahead, we must remember to look at and inter interpret everything through the eyes of our hearts so that we see the spectacularly exquisite beauty of God's love for his children and so that we are mindful of God's gift of salvation that brings us into a relationship through which we are formed into his image in preparation for living our lives here on earth and spending eternity with him in heaven. So on earth, we catch only glimpses of Jesus and his spectacularly exquisite beauty that merely foreshadow the spectacularly exquisite beauty we shall behold when we see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, face to face. Wow, won't that be an extraordinary day? So as you're going about in these final days of preparations for Christmas, you will continue to hear, even from secular sources, those with no religious base, uh, that their celebrations, their songs, focus on hope, peace, joy, and love. Yet remember, without Christ, any hope, peace, love, or joy that they experience is only temporary. Now, those who don't follow Christ can love. They can experience peace, joy, and love. But they are not tapped into the capital S source, God. So their hope, peace, joy, and love are incomplete. And I wrote in another devotional uh, that I co-wrote with my uh, dear brother in Christ, Mark Shaw, in Advent Meditations for Addicts, as we're, I'm talking in the chapter about Christ's return and Christ's coming, we're thinking about God and as you really think about it, we, we just are in awe. And so I, 
I made the statement in <clears throat> this devotional when we really grasp the extraordinary implications that Christ has come, the full reality is mind-blowing, isn't it? And then I ask, so how do we respond to Christ's birth, to his coming? We stand in utter amazement that Christ has come to walk among us and to save us. And then I have the lyrics of a wonderful hymn written by Charles H. Gabriel. I stand amazed. And the stanzas are, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus of Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. The refrain is, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. The second stanza says, For me it was in the garden he prayed, Not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, But sweat drops of blood for mine. Stanza 3 says, In pity angels beheld him, And came from the world of light, To comfort him in the sorrows He bore for my soul that night. Stanza four, what a glorious stanza. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. And then verse five. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see. It will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Have you lost that awe that Christ has come? Have you lost focus of who he is? If so, Make the choice to focus on him. Make the choice to focus on his word. I'm going to end with a wonderful quote by John MacArthur. It says, If we could condense all the truths of Christmas into only three words, these words would be, God with us. We tend to focus our attention at Christmas on the infancy of Christ. The greater truth of the holiday is his deity, meaning his godness. More astonishing than a baby in a manger is the truth that this promised baby is omnipotent. Of course, that means all-powerful. He is the omnipotent creator of the heavens and the earth. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the precious gift you sent of your son, Jesus. You came to live on earth 
as fully God and fully man, who talked and discipled those with whom he was walking, and Father who went through those mockeries of trials, was punished, was beaten, was crucified on the cross and spat upon and made fun of. All to take my sin and the sin of all of us upon himself and to experience your wrath and your punishment that all of us deserved for that sin. And Father, I thank you that as your children, we will never experience what Christ did on the cross of your turning away, not being able to see the sin on your son. But Father, we will never see, as another old hymn says, the shadow of turning. We will never see. You will never forsake us. So Father, help us focus on you. Help us renew our minds, as Romans 12, 2 says, to be transformed by the continual renewing of our minds through your word, through celebrating you coming, Emmanuel, God with us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions or comments, please send me a message through our podcast page, or you may email us through following Christ W us at gmail.com. We hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas and a wonderful time of celebrating our Redeemer's birth. We'll see you next week.